Jonah chapter 4. Jonah's anger at the Lord's compassion. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? This is what I tried to, to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, Is it right for you to be angry? Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in the shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head, to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, it would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, he said, and I'm so angry I wish I were dead. But the Lord said, you have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there were more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals? Thank you. And also many animals, hey? Yeah. Okay, Jonah chapter 4 and uh, the end of this, this uh, book, this, um, this account that we've been in for a few weeks now. Have you worked out yet how dangerous this story is? The, the story of, of Jonah? See, if you've been lulled into any kind of comfortable kind of Christianity, then you know you've forgotten don't you? You've forgotten how costly, how dangerous, how unreasonable, how outrageous actually at times is the mercy and the forgiveness of God. You know, the original readers of this story of Jonah, there is no self-respecting Israelite back then who would have been reading this account, who would have felt the least bit comfortable as they did so. This account of God's mercy towards their avowed enemies, right? the, the Ninevites. These are the very people, the Ninevites, who would soon destroy their homeland, Jonah's homeland, the northern kingdom of Israel. Surely God would have known that the repentance we see here would have been short-lived, Surely God should have stopped them. For an Israelite, this book 
would have reeked of treachery. And yet, we're still reading it today because we believe that this is the very word of God to them, but also to us still today. And it helps us understand who God is, the way he operates, and what it means to live as his people. So as we kind of wrap this account up, let's allow God to speak to us today, even if at times it's a little bit uncomfortable. So what's the context? Where are we up to in the story? You might cast your mind back to chapter 3 last week, and I'd love it if you had a Bible open in front of you. It can be on your phone, that's fine. Uh, But in chapter 3, this is where Jonah finally obeys God. He goes out there and preaches imminent, God's imminent judgment on the Ninevites. And, of course, they respond. Can you remember? John told us they responded immediately. They responded wholeheartedly. And they responded by actually changing the way they were living. Uh, it was, a, it was a, an amazing response. And so in verse 10, at the very end of chapter three, 3, we read that when God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and he did not bring on them the destruction that he had threatened. And uh, I don't know what you're thinking, but we probably, our natural response would be, fantastic. I mean, surely this is the kind of response any preacher, any Christian would just dream of, wouldn't we? Well, maybe not always. Maybe not always, as we've just heard, as Kay read from chapter 4. Verse 1, chapter 4, verse 1. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong this seemed very wrong and he became angry so god has shown mercy to the ninevites and that makes jonah very angry very angry so what do you think about that for response how's jonah doing here (laughs) and some of us probably think it's a terrible response right at the mercy and the forgiveness of God, like we know, don't we, is a beautiful thing. It's a wonderful thing. Jonah should be praising God that the Ninevites repented and that then God was able to relent, show them mercy. But maybe we're missing something if we're too quick to want to kind of look down on Jonah for his response here. You know, forgiveness and mercy... They're a big deal. They're a big deal. Let's try and get our heads inside that a little bit. Uh, I thought I'd remind you of a kind of a contemporary story. Are you familiar with the story of Layla and Danny Abdallah? Anyone that those names ring a bell? You'll probably th- realise soon. These guys, um, they the ones uh, February 2020, so just a couple of years ago, four of their children... They're walking down an ordinary street in in, in Oatlands. Do you know this story? Um, Ten minutes from where we used to live, so it was big news for us back then. Uh, Three of their cousins were in a car, you know, mounted the footpath and ran them over. 
And they lost three of their children that day. Uh, so there was Anthony, 13 years of age. There was Angelina, 12 years of age. There was Sienna, 8 years of age. And then their niece, Veronique, 11. So the, the driver was drunk. and He was on drugs. How would you feel if you were Layla or Danny? What do you think that driver deserves? Now, you may well know that there's been a lot of attention on their story, hasn't there? And that attention continues today. You know why there's been so much attention on that story? That's it. It's largely because of the way that Layla and Danny have responded. Right? Their choice to forgive the driver and to be public about that. Now, that doesn't mean they haven't wanted justice for the driver, right? And there's been issues around that even recently. A couple of months ago, the driver had his sentence reduced. And, you know, Layla and Danny, that's been difficult for them. Uh, and never have they said that forgiving was an easy thing to do. They never asked their other children to forgive. I mean, forgiveness can't be forced. And yet it seems like that's what's been beginning to happen for their other children as they've seen their parents work it through. Right? What they say, and I kind of was looking back through some of the articles, they said they had to make a choice. They knew they had to make a choice. What was amazing was how quick it was, the initial response was, but they've continued with it. They had to make a choice. They knew the alternative was far worse, right? It was bitterness, anger, and letting that kind of chew them up and destroy their lives. And ultimately, they knew it would destroy the lives of their children if they took that path. And so instead, they chose to draw on their Christian faith and the forgiveness that is at the heart of their faith and the hope of the resurrection and just to pray for God's help. That's what they've chosen. And, you know, the result of all that, you know, it's sad, but it's actually a beautiful and powerful story as well. And we've even today, we've got this I Forgive Day. Have you heard about that? It hasn't got as much uh, attention as I, I would have liked it, but you can Google it, I Forgive with the number four day, inspired by Layla and Danny and, and created by them actually and inspired by them in their what's happened to them and how they've responded. There it is. Sad, beautiful, powerful. Why is it so beautiful and powerful? Well, forgiveness and mercy are beautiful and powerful, but it's, it's, all, it's because it's not the normal way of things, is it? This isn't what normally happens. This isn't how people normally respond. You know, if Layla and Danny were angry and bitter and wanted the driver to suffer... Would we blame them? You couldn't, could you, really? Uh, blame them at all. At all. Forgiveness is not easy. It's not expected. And sometimes it doesn't even seem right. Do you see? And, you know, as we reflect on a story like that, we can come back to our own lives, can't we? Because we, we, we talk about forgiveness as Christians. We get so used to it. Um, and we know it's good and it's beautiful and we need it and we're thankful. But even in our own lives, right, we might see that 
this same dynamic is true even even when the issues aren't so kind of huge you know every single time every single time you or i struggle to forgive someone who has hurt us in some way big or small it's because like with jonah there's something inside us that is screaming out they don't deserve it that's not justice is what we're thinking and feeling forgiveness isn't easy it's rarely expected and sometimes it doesn't even seem right are you with me okay so now reconsider jonah's response that's why we've gone through that story you know he knew put yourself in his shoes he knew that people from that city of nineveh they were they had this reputation for being reckless and violent and bloodthirsty Uh, they were enemies of him and his people you know not long after as i've already kind of made some reference not long after the events described in this book of jonah tiglath pileser the third came to power and he re-established assyria as a major world power he adopted a policy towards those who opposed them of total conquest deportation of the of the people and establishing assyrian provinces under a under an assyrian administration that is exactly what happened to the northern kingdom of israel this is jonah's homeland in 722 bc so you can imagine can't you actually if you kind of step out of the story and go a few years into the future of that story jonah looking back and saying to god you know god i I told you so right as if god didn't already know that that was how things were going to go you know the mercy of god it is completely radical do you hear me here it is it, it can seem very wrong even now can you think of a recent example in your life where you've struggled to forgive someone who's hurt you in some way it can be big or small just reflect on that for a moment and ask yourself what's behind that struggle what's the motivation there are you ready to allow god's mercy and god's forgiveness to challenge and change you this is our question this morning this is for each of us because you know here jonah isn't ready he's not ready is he uh you know, he knew what god was like this is what god was like this compassion and grace and jonah knew it jonah knew it look at verse 2 this seemed wrong he became angry verse 2 he prayed to the lord isn't this what i said lord when i was still at home that is what i tried to forestall by fleeing to tarshish i knew that you are a gracious and compassionate god slow to anger and abounding in love a god who relents from sending calamity so if we weren't sure why jonah tried to avoid obeying god back in chapter one then here it is made crystal clear and in fact we did look forward to this and read this verse when we were looking at the earlier chapters he knew the reason he ran away and didn't want to obey god is because he knew what what god was like he knew that god was a gracious god who was quick to forgive of course he knew he was a prophet of israel right the the people of israel they knew 
They were pretty good at forgetting. But actually they knew that everything about their relationship with God was grounded in his steadfast, merciful love for them. In fact, God had revealed to them in many ways, but you know, they, he'd revealed to them that this wasn't just what he did, this was who he is. Think of the book of Hosea. Read that one. That's one of my favourites. But this verse out of Exodus 34, verses 6 to 7, the Lord passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, of God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. This is the very character of God. This is who he is. Those people that think you've got one God in the Old Testament and a different one in the New Testament, he is the holy God who, who is thoroughly committed to justice and what is right. But right in the midst of all that, he is also the loving, forgiving, gracious, compassionate God. He is both of those things, always has been and always will be. Okay. Chapter 2, of course, Jonah in the whale. God had used that experience, hadn't he, to remind Jonah that he himself was completely dependent on God's merciful, forgiving, gracious love towards him. Not that, not that Jonah didn't know that before all these events. He did know that, but he was a bit of a kind of a slow learner or a quick forgetter, a bit like me probably. Maybe just, not just me. Maybe there's others of us here. You know, when Jonah fought God on this, his grace and his mercy, back at the beginning of the story, but even now after his fish experience, he was fighting what he knew to be fundamental about his God and his way of operating. What an absolutely crazy thing to do. And yet, what about us? Can we do the same kind of thing sometimes? I know I can. You know, do we sometimes come, struggle to come to terms with the mercy and the, the forgiveness that is fundamental to who God is and how he operates? Aren't we just like Jonah when we struggle to forgive others? As we've already noted. Okay, what happens next? What happens next? aims to help Jonah and ultimately, I guess, help us to see how foolish it is to forget or to fight God's mercy. Uh, Jonah needs to see his hypocrisy here. Look at verses 3 and 4. We read, Now, Lord, Jonah says, Take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, Is it right for you to be angry? See, Jonah would rather die than see his enemies receive, receive the very same mercy upon which he depends. Right? And so, of course, God asks, are you right to be angry? But, you know, even in the midst of all this, that doesn't mean that God has given up on Jonah, even. Right? And that's what this whole plant experience is about, to help Jonah see his hypocrisy and hopefully grow into a better 
understanding and acceptance of what God's mercy is all about. So that's verses 5 onwards, this account of that thing with the plant. Now I'm not going to read it all again now, thank you Kay's read that for us, you might be able to look at it there. But can you picture Jonah here? He's done this thing, there's been this response, he's stepped back up out of the city, must have found a bit of a hillside or something. He sat himself down. He's waiting, hoping probably, that God will still bring judgment down upon those terrible people. It's probably a pretty bleak kind of place. You know, I guess he found enough sticks and stones perhaps to build a bit of a shelter, but a bit of a shortage of roofing kind of material perhaps. And so when God, it says what God provides a plant that then grows up and offers some shelter. It's a wonderful relief from this hot sun. It says Jonah, doesn't just say Jonah was happy, it says he was very happy. He was very happy at his little plant shelter thing going on. Bit of a bit of a bit of a sad little scene really, but there it is. But the next morning God provides same language is used by the way. God provides something else. What's he provide this time? yeah okay it kills the plant right and jonah now is again he's so angry that he'd rather be dead right did you know he says that three times in this chapter he'd rather be dead better off dead okay so here's the question why is jonah so happy when the plant grows up and shelters him and then so angry when it dies it's it's because he cares about the plant Oh, have I missed something there? (laughs) I don't think it's because he cares about the plant, do you? It's all about his own comfort. It's self-interest. That's purely it. You'd think he'd see this, right? And and so we come back to, um, you know, his anger at Nineveh being destroyed, right? And there's a lot more at stake here, isn't there? And God points this out. Isn't that how this book ends? 120,000 people who do not know their right hand from their left. I think that's a way of saying they are morally and spiritually ignorant. They don't even know what they're doing here. But it's 120,000 people. And if you're so concerned about a plant, by the way, there are many animals, right? And they're, they're not guilty, are they? Right? Why is Jonah so angry when Nineveh isn't destroyed? What do you think? Self-interest again, isn't it? And probably a sense of justice, but it's a very selective kind of justice, isn't it? It's justice for his enemies, certainly not justice for himself. His very life testifies to the fact of God's mercy towards him. If If he'd got justice, if Jonah had got what he deserved, then he wouldn't be around by this time, would he? If the people of Israel, if Israel's relationship with God was based on justice or them getting what they deserve, then they wouldn't have survived as a nation, would they? Right? Jonah knew all this. He was a prophet. His hypocrisy is disgraceful. As Christians, as Christians, We need to make sure we never fall into this trap. 
we never, never, you know, never a sense of, of self-righteousness or entitlement. And we have to say this, don't we? Because this is how we're often viewed, aren't we? As self-righteous or entitled. But you know, every time, as we've already kind of reflected, every time we struggle to forgive someone who's hurt us, we're forgetting our own complete dependence on the forgiveness and mercy of God in our own lives. You know, and... We've got more than Jonah. Isn't this what Jesus is all about? Think about Jesus. And well, I could have chosen a hundred different verses, but a couple to reflect on. Uh, Romans chapter 3, verses 23 to 24 is there. We've all sinned, not just those people. All have sinned. We all fall short of the glory of our holy God, right? And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption of that came by Christ Jesus. It's the same for us. It's the same for everyone. May we never forget. Romans eleven thirty two. a bit later in this same letter. For God has bound everyone over to disobedience. Everyone over to disobedience. So that he may have mercy on them all. This is his heart. This is who he is. It's how he operates. Last one here. Ephesians 1, 7 to 8. In, in Jesus... We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. Am I telling you anything new here? We know this, don't we? But what Jonah, this story of Jonah is designed to do is, is to remind us that this forgiveness, we know it's beautiful, but it's not easy. It's rarely expected when we actually live out that forgiveness in our own lives. And sometimes it doesn't even seem right. And yet it's the way of God. This is who he is and thank God that it is. So easy to forget. You know, as we attend church over time, you know, and it's sad, but it's human nature, isn't it? We become used to the wonderful truths upon which our lives and our salvation depend. We can grow comfortable. Even without meaning to, we can grow into a sense of kind of entitlement. It's so common. Don't forget. Don't go there. Remember. Remember. That's what Jonah's for here. And be thankful. Be thankful for God's continuing mercy toward us. Right? Just as God doesn't give up on Jonah even here. Right? He, he does this whole plant thing to try and draw him back in. He doesn't give up on us. You know, the book ends. You probably noticed it ends without telling us how Jonah responds to this whole plant kind of thing. Whether Jonah lets God soften his heart and grow him more into a sense and understanding of his love. We hope he did. But the effect of this is that it kind of leaves an open question for us to answer for ourselves. Will we allow God to continue to soften our hearts and draw him more into his merciful love in terms of who we are and how we want to relate as his people you know jesus told stories didn't he to 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 design to change our heart about these very things and a couple that come to mind think about the servant who was forgiven much but who who wouldn't forgive even a little matthew chapter 18 you might want to look that one up later we don't want to be like that servant um, think about 
Luke 15, Paul kind of untangled that a bit for us, at the, you know, the prodigal son a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, that brother who couldn't understand the celebration when his wayward brother came home. We don't want to be like the older brother. We've got to remember our own complete dependence on the mercy and forgiveness of God. What might Jesus be saying to you or me today about extending mercy, forgiveness to someone who doesn't deserve it? What might he be saying about our own hearts today? Let's allow him time to speak into us about these things. Now, I can't talk about forgiveness without like an important making a note about abuse i think i just need to say this abuse because it's out there it happens none of this that we're talking about today is to say that you need to need to show uh, some naive kind of mercy or forgiveness to someone who has abused you in a way that could expose you to further abuse do you, do you understand what i'm saying Forgiveness and mercy, it gets a little bit complicated in these situations. You know, in, in that kind of case, forgiveness is still important, but it's going to be more about you than about, you know, the kind of relationship you're going to have with your abuser. It's what's good for you. You know, the best way to love someone who is an abuser is to put clear boundaries in place and to pursue justice through proper channels. Uh, because I mean that might be the that that could well be the their best chance at coming to repentance and uh, you know being restored. Uh, so we don't want to be kind of have some naive kind of idea about what forgiveness might mean. Justice matters, right? And if you've been abused by someone, you're probably not the person who's going to be guiding that person through to restoration. God's bigger than you. He can still he can do that work. But God never wants to see cycles of abuse or manipulation perpetuated by simplistic or naive notions of mercy and forgiveness. Get proper help in these situations. Now, I'd, I'd, we've got some contacts there. There's a there's a, there's some flyers with these contacts out the front that you can pick up if you like, and there's even a little booklet if you want to know a little bit more about how we can, as God's people, help to respond well to these kind of situations. Feel very free to pick them up. They're just in the, uh, in the, in the foyer there to the left. Are you okay if we just park that now? I just felt like that was an important thing to say. Put that there. It's important, but it's there. That kind of situation aside, come back to where we were. Do we really understand, do you and I really understand the outrageous mercy and forgiveness of God? Do we really get it? Does our heart break for those for whom God's heart breaks? Jesus went to the cross, didn't he? Why? Because it was only in this great act of self-giving that love and justice could come together in that that awesome way that amazing way the grace the grace that we enjoy that in some ways we take for granted 
that we depend on. It cost him dearly. And we can expect it to cost us dearly too as we try to live it out in our relationships. But if we can actually find ways to do this, then we might be able to show the world even a glimpse of what the grace of God can look like. And instead of looking self-righteous, self-interested, perhaps that grace will draw others to want to seek out the source of that forgiveness and love that they might know themselves. And isn't that what we want? So let's seek to be God's people in this difficult but powerful and beautiful way. Shall we pray? Father, we, uh, we thank you for this story of Jonah and we pray that you would help us not to take for granted your forgiveness, your mercy, your love. Lord, we want to be people who shine the light of your mercy and your grace in our own relationships, even when that's difficult. Lord, help us. For your sake we pray. Amen. Okay, and uh, what a great introduction to communion. So, of course, as we share together in communion and anyone who is here today who um, loves Jesus and seeks to be dependent on his forgiving love is welcome to join with us. The forgiveness of God only possible because of the amazing self-giving love of Christ, what he did on the cross. And you can imagine there he was gathered with his disciples Shortly before this was all going to happen, they're wondering what's going on. There's a sense of moment, I'm sure, as they were gathered together and they shared in this way. And Jesus used that opportunity to paint a picture that we could then draw on, even today, what, 2,000 years later, to remember Jesus' self-giving love going to the cross so that we might be able to participate in uh, relationship with him, the forgiveness and the mercy that, are, that means everything to us and that we might offer to others in his name. Thank you. Yes, Holy Father, let this be our prayer this week. There is none like you. Open up our eyes in wonder. Show us who you are. Fill our hearts with your very presence. And lead us in your love to those around us, that we may be your shining light and they will want to come to know you. Heavenly Father, you are so gracious and merciful and we thank you. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.